2: Now, it's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas and we all know the season is nearly upon us when the annual hollybow uh starts to appear in our shops. To discuss this year's edition, I'm once again joined by uh, the editor, who is John Dolan. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Patricia. And How are you? I w- I'm very well and you're, you're very welcome. It seems bigger than previous years, if that is possible.
1: Yeah, it's just because <laughs> the Holly Bow is a monster. It keeps growing bigger every year. It's amazing. I mean, it's it's just uh, you know one of those uh, one of those publications that just every single year it just seems to outdo the previous year all the time and the response to it. And yeah, it's 164 pages, which is massive, as you can imagine. That's um,
2: terrific.
0: Yeah,
1: and, and it's filled, filled with great stories and historical articles or old photographs. It's a, great, it's a great little trip down memory lane for people, but it's not just for older people as well. You know, I notice far more now that younger people, are, it's a tradition that they want to start, and you know, when they have children, they want the hollybow as well, so it really has become attached to Christmas for Carconians. It's 122 years old, so uh, it's been a long time coming to the tradition, but people will remember when they were young many years ago that it was a tradition even then, yeah. And the Diffany the, the
2: quiz, I think, is the one that certainly attracts some of the younger people that gets them into it doesn't it?
1: It does, it does. Um, and the wonder of the Diffney quiz, I think, Patricia, is that it's a, it's a generational thing, it's a cross generational thing. Nobody on their own could possibly answer all those questions because there may well be a rap artist album, there may well be an old Irish poem, you know. There may, it's, you, you just simply have to. It's the sort of thing that, you know, you're round a Christmas table at, at, over Christmas and some uncle will suddenly pipe up, I know the answer to that, you know. And, <laughs> and, it's, so, so, and, and it's remarkable. And, and yeah, and again, that, that's been, what, 15, 20 years uh, in the Hollybow now, and it's You know, it's become unthinkable not to have a holibout without that Disney quiz. Who, (laughs) Who
2: puts that together?
1: Yeah, it's a gentleman called Jerry Diffney. Now, people in Cork wouldn't know the name, but in, in, he has about four or five menswear stores around the Dublin area. Um, and it's, he used to have this Diffney quiz uh, days before the internet. People used to come into his shops and pick it up. Um, and that's how I happened to see it. So when I became editor of The Hollybow going back maybe 17, 18 years now, um, I thought, well, let's see if, if this Jerry can can do us a, a particular Cork twist on the Diffney quiz, which he does every year. And he loves it. He loves the reaction. He loves the response. And I keep saying to him, look, we've got empty units here in court. You, can, you should, should open <laughs> one of your businesses because people will come off the streets and say, you're Jerry Disney uh,
2: <laughs> Yeah, what's the answer to number 49, yeah, Jerry? Exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: I know. Well, the amount of times people ask me that, yeah. <laughs> My lips are sealed. And, well, and,
2: well, uh, do, you, do you do it yourself or do you always have. Do you, uh, you obviously know of the answers, but do you try it yeah. without cheating?
1: I, I do. Do you know? It's funny Be honest now. Yeah, know I, I actually, because I, I, I feel like I'm proofreading it, first of all, so Jerry appreciates the fact that I'm going through to make sure there's nothing there that's that, that oh. untoward. You know, it's obviously, there's a little bit of leeway there because it, this is Jerry's take on, on various things, so sometimes people will contact me and say, is 24 definitely right, and I have to say yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I do. I, I, I receive it around about September, October, and I, I'll sit at home in a darkened room uh, scratching my head, and I'll, I'll answer as many as I can, and then I'll, I'll cheat and look at the rest of the answers uh. I'll, I'll I'll check them all again.
2: <laughs> well, I <laughs> yeah. I absolutely admire your honesty, rather than say, oh, I sit down and do it all. I'm so good at it. <laughs> yeah, now the, right, Rich. the 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 cover this year mm. is just glorious. Oh. I mean, I'm sitting here still looking at it. It's just one of those covers. I know. I can't, and I seem to see something different every time I look at it.
1: That's the beauty of it because it strikes you straight away, and it gives you such. Now it might well be early November or mid-November now, but when you see this cover, you just transported to Christmas aren't you I yeah. mean it's just amazing but like you say Patricia as well it's when you sit down and you start to look closely at the detail of it and it's just remarkable this is uh, this is an illustrator uh, called Don Ryan and he's just done a brilliant job of it he's uh, so so thrilled with that cover um, you know I, I just, I, the only problem is how do we beat that next year yeah uh, yeah Don Don Carey, he's an illustrator in Kinsale uh, he's a lovely guy and um, yeah he, he sort of I was in touch with him early in the year and he spent a couple of months working on this one wonderful, wonderful piece of art, which is is just, you know, the trams, you know, which we'll hopefully we'll get again on Patrick Street one Yeah, Monday.
2: yeah, why not?
1: Um, yeah, and then obviously, you know, even the detail, I love the fact that he's got Holly Bell covers. So, now, this is around about 1900, um, yeah. but that cover, colour of the cover was the actual co- colour it used to be it was maroon rather than red because they couldn't get red on the presses at the time so he, the, the detail is just remarkable that's and incredible uh, the advertising the, the the people in those you know you, those those actual shop names were the shop names round about you know 1900 1905 the Mexican you know. house yeah, remarkable. Now that was a tobacconist, and it was called the Mexican House. Uh, and and the one above it it, it says Palace Photographic Studio. Yeah. that was that was a Frenchman who opened a photographic studio in wow. Dublin, and then he opened this this place in Cork. Um, and now, obviously, at the time, people used to spend good money on on a family photograph. You know, around about nineteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, and it was a huge booming industry. And he needed a lot of room because he would have done all of his the dark room would have been on the premises as well. Obviously, all of all of the, the all of that development of the photograph. Would have taken place there too. The Woodford Burn corner, everyone, Woodford born, everyone knows that, don't yeah, they? Yeah, They're yeah, a, of yeah. Over a certain age, I'd say, yeah, yeah. It's, it's excellent.
2: It, it, it is really good. Now we want to look at some of the articles, particularly mm. ones with uh, relevance to uh, to listeners in the county. So we we handed it over to John and got him to pick out some of the stories for us. So starting with an entry into the Guinness Book of Records from yep. a bunch of North Cork soldiers.
1: This is an amazing story. I, this again, is
2: incredible.
1: I, I like, Sometimes I think, why didn't I know this before? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> why am I only reading this? Now, this is actually 75 years ago, uh, the anniversary is this year. And it, it was during the Second World War, obviously, the Irish army were, were very busy and they had to stay on manoeuvres and, and be wary of any kind of invasions. So it, they, they were very active. But clearly that they weren't actually, they didn't, didn't have an enemy as such because Ireland was neutral. But what happened was um, there was a particular a, a group of men who were based at Firmoy, um And they, just, they were very good at march and they used to outmarch everybody so they decided to do a night march it took them 12 hours and it, they did a route, a loop we have, we have a map in the Hollybow, they did a, a loop from fermoy through ballyhooley Castletown Roach, kildorey mitchellstown and then back down to fermoy and it took them 12 hours and they marched 42 miles with the full you know kit on the, on, yeah. the, on the backs um, and Soon after this, they, they won. They were, they were competing against other marching uh, regiments, and they won. So what happened a few years later was that the Guinness Book of Records were contacted, and, and Guinness said, yeah, this is a world record, as far as we're aware. Um, so it actually appeared in the Guinness Book of Records for, for a good few years. Um, and then it slipped out around about the early 90s for some reason, when I think they were starting to bring in silly ones, like, you know, the, the, most, the most tattoos or whatever it is, you know, yeah. the, uh, and some of these really sort of classic records. But yeah, what, what an amazing feat of endurance. Oh,
2: Unreal. unreal. (laughs) And then there was a a murder most foul in West Cork.
1: That's right. Now, this was actually one that I, I did some research on myself, looking at various Irish newspaper archives. Um, There's a bit of mystery to this, Patricia, as well, and I'm hoping one of our readers uh, can, can solve it, because it was, a, it was an extraordinary, kind of a macabre murder in, in West Cork uh, back in, 18, in the 1860s. Um, but it, it was amazing because um, this particular guy, he, he, he killed his wife's aunt, and it was over land, which is probably no surprise to a lot of people. This was only a few years after the famine as well. Um, but this particular gentleman, he, he, he escaped, um, and he got to Liverpool, and he was about to board a, um, a boat to America, and the land of the free he was going to be a free man um, but luckily uh, there, was, there was a telegram that was sent from Cork because the body was found quite a few months later and he was under suspicion but he decided to do a runner um, and as I say there was a telegram sent from Cork to Liverpool and a policeman happened to see it and happened to see this man and identified him, and he was arrested. Um, so he was just about to escape. Um, so he came back to Cork. Now, the only thing is, I know he appeared before the Cork as that assizes alongside his wife, who I think was later cleared of any wrongdoing, um, But I just don't know what happened after that. I don't know whether whether he was put to death. I don't know whether he was transported. Um, I don't know whether the the trial fell down for whatever reason, and he managed to escape justice. But I mean, it it looked like he was—you know—if you read the article, it was pretty much uh, he was the guilty person. Yeah, yeah, it was an open and shut case.
2: But he nearly got—he nearly got away with it.
1: He did, and, and that's the amazing thing, because th- this was just a telegram that was sent to Liverpool, and as I say, the, the, the person in Liverpool who was a policeman, he was actually originally from Ireland, so he had a look at this description of this particular card man. And spotted him. And he spotted him in Liverpool city centre, and Brought him back <laughs> on the next I mean, one. And we're, we're not
2: talking about an era where, where people have uh, no. social media or anything like that. And then there's yeah. another m- murder. Um, this one was remembered near Blarney and yeah. under the headline, A Bloodbath in My Village.
1: Yeah, this was a wonderful story from Michael Dorney, um, who lives out in that particular area. This is, this is a, far, a farmland, it's a few miles north of Blarney itself. Um, and this, this particular gentleman who wrote the article for the Hollywell, this is this is now his land. But he he, he did some wonderful research. Uh, he found out back in the back in the day there used to be these what are called the tithes. Um, there were tithes that were paid to the to Protestant Church of the day, and quite a lot of the Catholics resented paying it. And there used to be bailiffs sent in to recover these tithes from people, and the people used to gang up on them. And there were quite a few confrontations. And, and they were they
2: and were something. they're much hated bailiffs.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Now it's funny, it's strange because the bailiffs would have been actual Cork City people, probably Roman Catholics from Cork City, who were hired by the, the 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 Church of the day. Now this was quite unusual because the Church wouldn't have often prosecuted, but in some instances when they did, they brought these bailiffs in from the city, and they would have gone out to in this particular instance to this to this um, farmland, and the locals rumbled them and there was a terrible altercation and, and one person was shot and another person was beaten to death. One, you know, one of the bailiffs was, was beaten to death by this mob of people who, who were obviously so angry that he had shot one of their own. Um, yeah. A dreadful story, and, and as I say, Michael Dorney, who, li- who now lives n- close to this land itself, uh, he actually arranged for the plaque to be put up this year, just just as a little remembrance that two people died, sadly, on this ah, land thought, yeah, years it's, ago.
2: It's, it's a different, like, it it's diff- was mm-hmm. a different era, and I think it's lovely that those two men have yeah. been remembered uh, so, so and well, done. without
1: prejudice, as you say. You yeah. know, there, there, was, there was there was two people died, families yeah. were mourning in the eighteen thirties. Yeah. You yeah. know, a long different time ago. different
2: times, so, different times. Mm. I loved the very heartfelt story by John Terry, the story of emigration, and we'll keep the home oh. fires burning. That's gorgeous. Uh,
1: that's one of my favourite stories. It's gorgeous. It's lovely. It's such a great read, and I'm so thankful to him for writing that. This is this is amazing to me that he he lived. Um, on a farm that overlooked where the Yiddish Fallen used to head out to the open sea. So his parents brought him for the ferry, and he was 16 and he was going off to London on his own to, to work. Um, so his parents dropped him off at the quays in the city, and then he got on the boat, and then the boat goes all the way around the coast. And then, you know, a good, good way into the journey, he looks out to where his farm is, and you can see a fire that his siblings have, have set alight to a fire as a kind of a farewell and a good look. And, because you know, they we'll,
2: know, the siblings know that he'll pass. Yep, yep, yeah, they
1: know because he, he, he was the third of his family to go. So yeah. Two of his siblings had already gone. And so uh, what a poignant thing, a 16-year-old kid on his own, terrified, seasick, obviously as well. He, the, 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 you know, it would have been a bumpy journey for, for a, a young lad. And yeah, so he looks out across the land and he sees this and he knows that his family is saying goodbye. And yeah, oh, is so poignant, isn't it? is so mm. such
2: a wonderful m- reminiscence. I And mean, a 16-year-old today would be hard pushed to let him on the on the bus into the oh, city for the day on the road he almost
1: done for cruelty yeah, wouldn't uh, it, the parents? Uh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Oh, and, yeah.
2: the, and the famous architect uh, Kevin Roach who sadly uh, passed away this year he's mm. he's also remembered uh, now uh, Kevin Roach would be the convention centre in Dublin probably mm. his, his most famous but uh, I, he designed a piquery for his family's Mitchelstown <laughs> farm.
1: This was an amazing story. I kind of stumbled upon it. It had been reported in a few places before, but it was, again, this is news to most people, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it, Kevin Roach was a genius of an architect, but he was originally from, from Ireland, and he actually spent his formative years in Mitchellstown, where his, his father was quite quite a good businessman. But yeah, he, he when he was at college, he was at Dublin studying architecture, Kevin Roach. And when he came home on, from his first semester, uh, he came home for a break, and his, his father said he wants a piggery built. So Kevin decided that, oh yeah I'm going to I'm going to build a piggery for you so he did uh, but it's a wonderful story because he later reminisced much later in life how you know there was one particular day when he was just overseeing the, the, the job and he told the builders to do something and the builders said well be careful because this, is, this isn't a very safe structure and the young Kevin Roach says ah just go ahead and do it and th- there, was a, there was a bit of a, a fall from the brickwork and it was lucky, luckily nobody died because otherwise his career would have been thwarted dead and then I'd say but yeah I love the reminiscences because he talks about the people the Metro Sound raising a quizzical eye when he said he wanted to be an architect yeah. as if they said who needs an architect yeah. <laughs> we, we have builders it's gorgeous builders. and it's one, they're
2: just they're lovely there's story after story after story and I'm loving yeah. that we're Thanks. getting we're getting a lot of texts in for people remembering it uh, in their childhood remembering their parents reading it still reading it today and one lovely one said my granny got the holly bow years ago and I always remember it um, my daughter now gets it I'm in my 70s it is great reading there's you know three generations four generations at this stage because her daughter is now getting as well it's lovely Okay, listen it's fantastic it's available as they say in all good news agents at the moment and and already selling well I imagine John is it because it goes all over the world it
1: is and that's why we print it quite early Patricia because people buy five six seven copies and they bounce them off to Australia to America to everywhere all points of the compass Uh, and obviously you know you have to do that a good few weeks before Christmas to get to beat the deadlines so yeah which is terrific
2: Okay, well it's always a pleasure to uh, speak with you John we'll speak again Thank you for that, and thanks for joining us. Good morning table. to you. That is uh, John Dolan, who is the editor of this year's Hollybell.
0: Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer.